be re <coughs> reading from Lamentations chapter 3, starting at verse 37. Verse 37, Lamentations chapter 3. Who has spoken, and it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to have the sacred scriptures before us. What a privilege it is to have eyes to see so we can read and ears to hear so we can listen. Thank you for creating us in your image, in your likeness, so that we as your children can walk in honour of you and reflect your glory into this world. And help us to do that, Father. Help us to come here this morning to listen and to see and hear what your word has to say to our inner man, to our hearts. Holy Spirit, do a great work of, of transformation in our hearts. Convict us of our sin, teach us, correct us, rebuke us, refute us, but also train us in righteousness, so we may believe in the sovereignty of God. So Holy Spirit, do a great work in me and through me into our lives. Help me now to be faithful to the Scriptures and help us to listen faithfully. And we thank you, Father. Thank you that you are a great God, a loving and caring God. And we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Redeemer. Thank you that he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he seated on the throne next to your right hand, where he intercedes, where he mediates between us and you, Father. And we thank you for this. And what a privilege it is to be a child of God and to know this, that we have a faithful Father who is in complete control of this universe. You are the Creator God. You made heaven and earth and all that is in it. And you know everything. You know all the stars by name. You know every hair, or the number of every hair on our head. You know when a hair falls out. When the sparrow falls dead, you know that. And we thank you that you are all known, all seen, all powerful, all wise, and all loving, and all present. And I praise you and thank you for that. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We know back in, say, the 15th of March was the last time we met because of what's going on in this world with this virus. And we look, five months have gone by. Do we still believe in the sovereignty of God? Do we believe that God is sovereign over this universe? Do we believe that God is sovereign over the good and the bad events? And the events that go on in our own lives? And if you do believe, then are you and I trusting God's sovereignty? with what's going on in our lives and in this world? Or do we believe, like many Christians and non-Christians believe, that the bad things are beyond our control and presumably beyond God's control? 
that God has let things run out of control. And that these things that happen, happen around us, happen by chance. It's the luck of the draw. It's the way the dice rolls and falls. And sadly, when we talk like this, what we're actually saying is that we only love God when good things happen, but when bad things happen, God is not sovereign, He's not in control, and He's not allowing that to happen. Someone else is allowing that to happen. There's a lot of people that, that when good things happen in their lives, God is great. But when bad things happen in their lives, Satan is doing it all, not God. To talk about God's sovereignty as a Christian, we need to know that we are talking about God's exercise of rule as sovereign or king over his creation. If God created this world and everything in it and us, then he understands it. And he knows us. And he knows how to keep it in control. Despite of what's going on outside there. God created the heavens and the earth, which gives him the right to rule as king over the heavens and the earth. He rules over everything. And he does as he pleases in the heavens. For our God in heaven, he does whatever pleases him. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and with the people on earth. And this is something we need to embrace. We need to know that God is in control of everything. That no person can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? What are you doing, God? If you do, then cry out in repentance. That's what Job had to do when you went, Why, why, why? Why was I born? But to question God it shows disrespect. It shows disrespect to God. Just like when children question the parents' decisions. Yes, we were going to see a movie, but sadly we've changed our mind. Then comes in disrespect. God is in charge of our world. And that should, like I said earlier, bring great comfort to our hearts. God's in, char in charge of the bad things. You look back at history, church history, you just got to look back at, at, the, at the Old Testament where you see God raises up a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, and uses this bad king for his good. And then many years later, he raises up another pagan king, King Cyrus, and uses this good king for his good as well. The thing is, when God allows bad things to happen, it is for good, not for evil. Man does things for evil. When bad things happen, God allows that for good. And sadly, we do live in a time when we are in denial of the sovereignty of God. We don't want to believe that God is in control of the entire universe and that He sustains it and that He governs it. And that is both the good and the bad. And we need to embrace that. That God is sovereign over the good and the bad. There was a story told of this, 
it was back in 1902, this dad was sitting around the breakfast table and he was reading the paper and he, and he leant over and he said to his son, oh, I see in a few months they're going to be crowning the king of England. That's Prince Edward VII. And they're going to be crowning him on such a date. The dad said to his son, the only thing that's missing is Lord William. And the boy clicked that in. And when that day came for that king to be crowned, it didn't happen. He got appendicitis. But what do we say as Christians? Is that a coincidence? Do we say because the person who wrote the article didn't say Lord willing, therefore God punished the king? We don't know. Sometimes God's sovereignty is a mystery. We don't know. It's not a coincidence. And God is not a God of killjoy that he goes now and does this because they didn't add in the Lord willing. God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will. Which means that God works everything according to his own will. And James says, if it is the Lord's will, we'll live and do that. If it's the Lord's will, Robertson Reformed Community Church would open in September. And it was His will. And we pray it's His will for us to continue from Sunday to Sunday in safety, that He will protect us from this virus, especially me. If I get it, I can't be here, probably for two Sundays. If you get it, you can't be here, probably for two Sundays. If it's the Lord's will for us to be kept safe, then we praise Him. And we thank Him from Sunday to Sunday we go forward. God is in control. He is sovereign. He does whatever He pleases and determines whether we can do what we have planned. We can plan great things. And I know there's folk in our church that plan to go on a hike, a beautiful hike. But God in His sovereign will is not going to allow it. That's what I'm saying. We can plan things. I have planned things. And I know all of us have planned things. I know my dad planned to go to George for a week. And he came to our house on the Thursday from dropping my brother off at the airport, complaining of chest pains, indigestion. And we're giving him inners and we're trying to help him break wind or bulge so he can get this, this, this pain away. And he says, no, Mark, I'm not feeling good. Can you take me to my GP and fish it? Which we did. And the guy did a, a test on him. He said, no, straight to Vince Pilate. He's having a heart attack. His plans went out the window to go to George for that week. Instead, he spent a few days in hospital. If the Lord wills. Scripture says, in his heart, man plans his course. But the Lord determines his steps. That's a hard lesson to learn. It's hard. But we have to accept it from God. We don't know why. Sometimes it doesn't allow us to go somewhere for a reason. We might find out five years later, ten years later. But the sovereignty of God is often questioned because we don't understand who this God is. And we don't want to embrace God's sovereignty. Um, 
this book, More Than Conquerors. It's a lovely book on Revelation. And the author, William Hendrickson, says this. I'll just read a few things. The theme is the victory of Christ and of his church over the dragon Satan and his helpers. The apocalypse is meant to show us that things are not what they seem. We look out here, things are not what they seem. We think God is in con- not in control. We, we start questioning God. The beast that comes out of the abyss seems to be victorious. The, the, the pagans, the unbelievers, the governments, what they're doing, seem like they are victorious. But listen to what he says here at the end. Throughout the prophecies of this wonderful book, book of Revelation, Christ is pictured as the victor, the conqueror. He conquers death, hates the dragon, the beast, the false prophet, and the men who worship the beast. He is victorious. As a result, so are we. When we seem to be hopelessly defeated. That's why it's so important that we can embrace God's sovereignty. Look at God. Someone said God does not act as we think He should and conclude that God cannot act as we think He should. So God does not act as we think He should and conclude that God cannot act as we think He should. God's rule and ways are higher than our ways. His judgments are unsearchable and His paths are beyond tracing out. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Who's seen Jesus? I haven't. Who's seen God? I haven't. But where do I meet Jesus? In the Scriptures. In the authoritative Word of God. This is where I see Jesus and I see God in His greatness, in His kindness, in His mercy, and in His sovereignty. This is where we see the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, exercising His will and His purpose over the universe for our good. And that's the good of His children. So this morning, I want to look at two essentials. And we'll probably only get through the first one. But I want us to look at these two essentials to help us put back our confidence in the sovereignty of God and trust the sovereignty of God as we walk with God in this dark world, as as we look at God, what He's doing in both the good circumstances and the bad circumstances in this world and in our own lives. And the first essential that we need to look at to help us put back our confidence in the sovereignty of God, to trust God's sovereignty like I said, in both the good times and the bad times, is is God's sovereignty. Is that God is sovereign. I can't force this upon anybody. I I I can't make you believe this. You have to look to God and ask God to give you the wisdom to believe this. If there's unbelief, cry out to God to help that unbelief. I can't convince you, but I can preach God's word and hopefully the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. Let's start with a word of caution. This is a tough doctrine. It's not an easy doctrine that we just let it come out of our mouth. 
trusting the sovereignty of God. Come on, man, why are you behaving like that? You know God is sovereign. No, this is a hard doctrine. Tell that to someone that's lost someone they love dearly, like a spouse or a child. This is an extremely hard doctrine to get our finite minds around. So when we study it and we read it, we should do it in a sense when things are going well. So that when the bad things come, we're kind of holding on fast to the gospel of Christ and the sovereignty of God. Go home and, and, and start now. Read through scriptures. The Old Testament is, the whole Bible is full of the sovereignty of God. You see God in complete control of all things. And we'll look at some of that. So when adversity comes, take up the sovereignty of God. Trust the sovereignty of God. Don't let Satan undermine your faith. Don't let Satan sow doubt into your hearts and your minds. Go to the, 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 the scriptures and put on that full armor of God. And stand firm in the confession of your faith. And be solid on the sovereignty of God. Because that truth is true. And that we need to believe that God is sovereign. And that he is regulating our affairs and not the devil. Someone said, the Christ on the throne overrules evil for good. Every bad thing that God allows to happen is for good. And everything, everything that man does bad and evil, he does it for evil. We just have to look at Joseph and his brothers. They meant it for evil. They wanted Joseph dead. Then, then one brother decided, no, no, we can't kill him. He's our brother. We'll sell him to the, to the um, caravanners that are coming past, the Midianites. And that's what they did. But you see Joseph at the end of Genesis chapter 50. My brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God never means evil for evil. We must remember that. When evil comes, God is doing it for good. And this is what, what Joseph says. Look, look, look at Paul. What was Paul doing in Acts chapter 7? He was standing like this with clothes over his arms and watching who persecuted Stoned to death. Stephen. What happened in chapter, Acts chapter 8? Persecution broke out and caused them all to scatter to Samaria and Judea. What's been fulfilled here? Acts chapter 1-8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and will give you power to be my witness. Starting in Jerusalem, then spreading to Samaria and Judea. So what's happened in Acts chapter 8? Paul means it for evil. Having Christians persecuted and stoned to death and ravaging the church and trying to kill the Christians. But God scatters them for the good of the gospel of Christ. When bad things happen, God means it for good. Someone said, if there is a single event in all of the universe that can occur outside of God's sovereign control, then we cannot trust Him. And that's so true. Who wants to worship such a God that you cannot trust? 
Our God is faithful. And He's promised to never leave us, never to forsake us. His love endures forever. Many other religions do not promise this. The Muslims are not promised paradise. If they live on the scales that outweigh the bad scales and the, and the scales up here are good, they're not promised paradise. Allah will decide on the day. But we know we are faithful and walking humbly with our God, trusting Him, trusting His sovereignty. He has promised us eternal life. Not getting there then deciding. Our God is the most loving, caring, compassionate God that is on this earth. Because He's the Creator God. And He knows what we need. And I pray that we will trust His sovereignty. That when danger comes, we will trust Him. May we not struggle so much in bad times. And only trust God in the good times. May we look to God in the bad times. Because there are, there are people out there that teach that God is only a God of love. And He does not bring bad things into our lives. He does, he does not bring crooked or bad events into our lives. And what happens when we say that? We downplay pain that comes from this world. Paul tells us that creation has been subject to frustration and groans as in the pain of childbirth. And not only creation, but we ourselves also groaning inwardly. How many of us long for the return of Christ? I do. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's why we need to fix our eyes on the heavenly things and keep our eyes focused on the heavenly things. And that will help us to embrace the sovereignty of God. So when adversity comes our way, when pain comes our way, let's stop asking the questions, where is God in all of this? Can we really trust God when adversity strikes? and fills our lives with pain? Will God indeed come to our rescue as we seek Him? Will God deliver us, us who call upon Him in the day of trouble? Will His unfailing love surround us as we trust Him? And can we trust God's sovereignty when there's pain and suffering in our lives? Yes, we can. Because God's Word tells us we can. It's to the sacred book we turn to, the authoritative word of God. We turn to the living book and there we are told about the sovereignty of God. We go to scripture and there we remind ourselves of Solomon's words because he's the one that can make what is crooked straight. He knows us. He knows what he brings into our life, how we can handle it, trusting his grace. Because His grace is sufficient for our lives. Scripture says this from Solomon. Solomon wrote these words. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what He has made crooked? He can only straighten what He has made crooked. Only God in His sovereignty and love and wisdom can make the things that He has made crooked straight again in our lives. But are we willing to trust Him? 
Are we willing to, 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 to uh, trust Him through the pain and suffering? And none of this is easy. Please, this, this requires us helping each other, praying for each other, taking each other's burdens upon each other, encouraging each other, God is the only one that what, what, what has been made bad and has come bad in life, He's the only one that can make it good and straight again. I look at Daniel. Daniel, in chapter 2, we are told that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he's, he's had it with these magicians because they cannot tell him what the dream is they cannot interpret the dream and he says if you guys don't come tomorrow and tell me this dream you're all dead if no one can show me this dream then you're all going to be killed and Daniel asks the captain and in prudence, he says to the captain, I will tell the king tomorrow his dream. And then Daniel goes and he tells this to his friends. And he says, we must seek the Lord's mercy in heaven concerning this mystery. And this is what they do. They rest in God's sovereignty. And God brings the interpretation to Daniel. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and set up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made it known to the king's matter. He rested in God's sovereignty. He trusted his God and his sovereignty in spite of the danger. If he had got the dream wrong and he didn't know, that's it. He would have also been killed the next day. And listen to how the king answered Daniel once he heard about the dream. And he thanked Daniel. He said, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery to me. God is the only one that can make straight what has been made crooked by Him. Yeah, we can. We can lean on understanding, be wise in our own eyes. But suffering, so much suffering comes when we don't just stop in prayer and look to Christ Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and seek His help and wisdom. And then with our pain, with our suffering, we embrace Him, He embraces us, and we walk with Him humbly. Someone said, in order to trust God's sovereignty, we must always view our adversity, our circumstance, through the eyes of faith, not of sense, feelings and emotions. And how often do our feelings and our emotions get in the way of our facts? The most beautiful verse in the Bible is not only come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, 
That's written for Christians. When, you're, when, you're, when you need rest and you're heavy and you're laden, come to Christ. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? Because God wants to help us. In His sovereign will and purpose for our circumstance, He wants to help us. Because the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's what God wants to do. He's not necessarily going to take away the circumstance, but He can give us that peace so that we can walk rationally, uprightly and blamelessly with Him and trust Him. And keep worshipping Him and praising Him. Just like Job did. Even, Job, even though Job questioned God, he kept praising God and worshipping God. There's no quick fix when pain and suffering is around. There's no quick fix. It's just walk by faith, trust God, share it with people, that people can encourage you, people can pray for you. There's no mystical experience, there's no God just coming down and, and wiping your mess away. God has given us His Word. And His Word doesn't always want to clean up our mess. His Word wants to clean up our hearts. To trust Him. To lean on Him. Because the Scriptures are adequate for our circumstance. They are sufficient for our circumstance. And as we go to the Scriptures within our circumstances, as we apply the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit working through the Scriptures in our hearts can help our hearts to trust God, to find comfort, and to receive comfort and grace as we trust God through the adversity. And it's sad that this verse that I read from Lamentations chapter 3 offends some Christians. Who has spoken and it comes to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? It is not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come. If you say any good comes from God and not bad, you're undermining a biblical truth, the sovereignty of God. And like I said, many people find it very difficult to accept that good and bad things can come from God. Many Christians, because they have been told that God is only a God of love. And that God doesn't allow bad things to happen in our lives. Only good things. He's a God of love. And often I've heard when people have had a tragedy in their home or in their life, how they say, no, God was not involved yet. It was all Satan. God had nothing to do with it. He doesn't do such things. I think of Jesus. He affirms his father's sovereignty in bad things. I think of when Pilate said to him, Don't you realize I have power either to free or to crucify you? How does Jesus reply to Pilate? Does he say, No, you don't. My father is a father of love, so nothing is going to happen to me. Nothing bad is going to happen to me says Jesus to Pilate. Does he say that? What does Jesus say to Pilate? You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. 
Jesus acknowledged that his Father is sovereign in bad things and he trusted in God's sovereignty, that God's sovereign will was in control over his entire life. He acknowledged God's sovereignty in both the bad and the good. So how can we deny it? Surely we should trust God in His sovereignty? And like I've said, if we trust God's sovereignty, then we must be very sensitive in teaching someone that struggles. We must be very patient with that person. We need to speak the truth to them with a tender heart and in love and help them. Turn their eyes, wherever their eyes are, whatever their eyes are fixed on, on earthly things, help them to turn those eyes back onto Christ and the cross and where Christ is seated next to the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. To seek the things above where Christ is seated. To focus on the heavenly things and not on the earthly things. It's easy when, when we're sitting on the other side of the table to say these things to someone who's suffering, who's lost a loved one or a child. Whose job's been taken away from them because of this pandemic. As a church and as Bible-believing Christians, we need to start embracing God's love into people's lives. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what they say, what they've done. We need to pray for our enemy, love our enemy, love the stranger, pray for the stranger. And be gentle and, and, and kind when we come alongside people that are struggling with their Christian walk. You cannot save anybody. You cannot change anybody's mind. But you can beautifully sow that seed and help them. And pray that God in His time and His sovereign will, will turn that person's heart and mind to embrace the sovereignty of God. God is the one that brings things to fruition. He's the one that grows that seed. We water, we sow, and we keep praying. So let us be careful how we come alongside someone and help them, explaining the sovereignty of God with whatever's going on in their life. Be careful. Because you could be on the other side one day as well, and that person could be counselling you. Because the way God comforts you, He allows trials to come into your life so that you can comfort others around you. And be careful if you've never been through such an experience or a trial, how you comfort someone that is going through something. You need wisdom. But you know what Paul does? The most beautiful thing Paul does when he wants to correct people and counsel people and help people. He doesn't point them to his, his, his own wisdom and his own knowledge and his own blessings and his own testimony. He always points them to the gospel of Christ. Because when you point someone to Christ, you're helping them take their eyes off the earthly things and fix them on Christ. Take God's word. Trust God's word. Trust God's sovereignty in his word. So this first essential to help us to put confidence back in God's sovereignty, to trust God's sovereignty through both good and bad things, will we believe in God's sovereignty and trust that God is sovereign over everything. Will we look to Him? Will we look to the cross? 
And there Christ Jesus died to give us knowledge and wisdom to trust Him in His sovereignty. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the doctrine of sovereignty. Thank You for how You sovereignly are in complete control of this universe. But help us to embrace it, Father. Please forgive us, for we do not always trust in your sovereignty. So give us the wisdom to go to the Scriptures, to learn from great men who look to you in both good and bad circumstances. We saw Joseph, how he trusted you in your sovereignty, how he trusted your sovereignty in his life, both in that pit and in Potiphar's house and in jail, and when he was second in command of Egypt. Father, help us, please. Forgive us when we lean on our own understanding. Forgive us when we always look to other things. Father, please, help us. Turn our hearts and our minds back to embrace your sovereignty and to believe the truth of your sovereignty. Please, Father, I pray and ask us all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.